Hmm. Okay, yeah, out with the old. Nope. Nope. That's it. That's a wrap. That's on its way to Cleveland, going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But now I get to say, in with the new. Not yet, not yet. Got to build up a little suspense. Got to build up a little suspense. It's called showmanship. The intro song? You know that's something I care about. Way more than I should. I also care about this room remaining silent and I hear the garbage truck down the street. So pal, you better not come here now. We're recording. I'm going to run out in the street. We're recording, boys. Right when I get to a good point. You ever watch the garbage truck just lift everything you carefully placed into the different compartments and just throw it into the back? Should I have more faith that paper is staying with paper, glass is staying with glass, plastic is staying with plastic, trash staying with trash, or isn't it really just, okay, you categorize it into those nice little compartments and then, and we go, thank you, we're all doing our part, (laughs) save the environment. All right, enough of that. It's episode 100. Live from a room in my home, I guess we will call the office until we have another kid who takes up this room, and then there will be no rooms for me to do this podcast. I'll just bring the microphone to the toilet and do it in the bathroom. And that could be a little weird for my listeners. It could be kind of gross knowing that when we have two kids one day, we're not there yet. I mean, that's the plan, but we're not there yet. I got to make sure the sperm finds the egg first, okay? I mean, how many questions do you have for me? Slow down. Jesus. But as of right now, I'm in a room called The Office. And really, all I do is come in here during a pandemic once a week and record this stuff and hope that there's some people out there that like it. I like it. Apparently, I like it. This all started on February 11th, 2018. And now, July 16th. 2020. So I guess I like it enough to keep going. Although I almost quit today. We're doing potty training and every potty training book says parents come at it with a level head. Not me. Parents be patient. Me impatient. Parents expect some tantrums. I'm not okay with it. It got so out of hand. An hour ago, I responded by screaming, I'm done with my podcast because I felt like my toddler robbed me of my creativity and time. And now I sneak back into my office, which I should rename to my study. How regal would that sound? Honey, I'll be in the study. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Eating Doritos and Googling Reebok pumps. But I'll be in my study. (laughs) That's how you have to laugh if you have a study. I knew somebody that had a study. We all had friends growing up who had rooms in their homes that were just so exotic, so strange. Where kids were not welcome in there. No, we don't play in there. We don't play in there. <laughs> That's my dad's study. He studies his penthouse magazines in there. Yeah. All right, what the fuck? There should... Oh, God. Look at me. Just drop coffee on my lap. That's not good. But there should be some pressure right now. This is episode 100. All right? That was a dry intro. I just came into it. Dry intro. Because you know a new song is coming for this show. You know my man Micah Julius put down the freshest beat in the land. The freshest beat in the land. I said, Micah, 
You made a great show intro back in 2018. Can you do another? Let's rebrand this thing. Let's launch it in a new direction. It's 2020, pal. It's episode 100. What can you do? And I reminded him all the hip-hop groups I like, all the rappers I like, all the beats I like, and he rolled it up into a tortilla and put his own flavor into that. He put his own Micah Julius hot sauce into that, and he's a talented musician. And then we went back and forth. He said, you like horns? What horn? You like glockenspiel? What glockenspiel? You like heavy bass? You like light bass? How do you like that snare? How do you like that crash cymbal? How do you like that hi-hat? And he was so attentive to my needs. And I was so difficult to work with, just meticulously dissecting every bit of it, every bit of it. And he was understanding. He said, I get it. I'm the same way. Perfectionist until it sounds right in your ears. It's not right. But right now I'm going to debut the new show intro and you could just bob your head a little bit. Hope you feel this. Hope it gets into your soul. Hope it gets into your bloodstream a little bit. And ultimately I hope it sounds good enough to all y'all for a hundred more episodes. So live from uh, my study, it's episode 100. Hit it! so smooth oh so sweet also got a new logo up there if you haven't noticed that's some original brandon lie artwork who's brandon lie you just asked out loud brandon is a concept artist in the world of video gaming over at hangar 13 that's like 2k 2k sports you've heard of it it's all happening right out there in hamilton in beautiful Nevada, california And Brandon is a genius. He wouldn't agree with that. But he's such a gifted artist that he's in that echelon where you can only describe him one way. Genius. And I'm not talking about the video game art, although that's his world. That's his profession. I'm talking about the man I watched draw when he was about 15, 16 years old. I had an art class with him at Terra Linda High and just watched him. What would happen? What would go through his hand with a paintbrush on a canvas? He would turn it into something so spectacular, so magnificent that I was realizing, okay, he doesn't really need to take English classes, math classes, science classes. This guy is on the professional artist path. And of course, get in where you fit in. He's a professional artist in the world of gaming, which is also his passion. So I say, Brandon, I want a new logo. He also designed the first, just like Micah also did the first song. I said, I want another. And these guys go, why the fuck are we still friends with Josh? And then they go, okay, okay, you got it. Anything you want. And then I describe it. And then they bring their own individuality, individuality, individuality. And then they bring their own buddy to me. And I say, I like it. But could you just make me look a little... Hey, Brandon, it looks good. But could you just, I don't know, make me look less bald, a little more chiseled, less fat. And he's thinking, you vain bastard. I'm a professional. This is your logo. I say, tweak it here, tweak it there. Let me get that color. And by the end, he's just like, enough with you. Lose my number. But that's it. New song, new logo. High Maintenance Rosenberg gets his wishes from a couple of friends he considers to be gifted. Gifted. 
I think that's what makes a strong network of friends. You got to admire one another. Not in the sense of, hey, I hope we're all like-minded. Nah, 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 nah. Like-minded, it sounds good. You know, having similar sensibilities, it sounds good. But really, I like the differences. I really do. Which sounds weird because I had this thought. If Republicans and Democrats were nice to each other, is everything then easier to swallow? Like, of course, they're not going to see eye to eye on all of these issues. God, the amount of issues right now. They're not going to see eye to eye. Democrat, Republican, in the same room, that's toxic. Democrat, Republican, discussing any current event. Oh, there's already kerosene on the ground, just like the match. (laughs) Combustible. What if? Same dynamic. Here's how I feel about abortion. Here's how you feel about abortion. Here's how I feel about immigration. Here's how you feel about immigration. Here's how I feel about education. Here's how you feel about education. Here's how I feel about gun control. Here's how you feel about gun control. Here's how I feel about the legalization of marijuana. Here's how you feel about the legalization of marijuana. Here's how I feel about foreign policy. Here's how you feel about foreign policy. But all the topics were discussed in a way where people were nice to each other. Honestly, could you imagine if we taught nice? If nice, that's simple. Simple word nice was just programmed into us. At a young age, we all knew how to listen, how to discuss matters. See, we all don't have to come at it from the same angle. We never will. But nice, that seems to be something we could learn. Kind of a common thread in my group of friends. I'm drawn to nice people. Don't have to agree with me. I probably won't agree with you on a bunch of stuff, but nice, you're saying that in a nice way. I'm hearing it nicely and I'm actually listening, although I don't feel that way. I'm going to say something back to you and it's going to be nice. So different from what's going on. These networks, you watch CNN or Fox News, you watch MSNBC or ABC, you watch any news show, any panel show, any analyst, any reporter, any anchor, they're coming at it from such an angle, hoping to fan the flames. It's almost like they're creating a storm. And whether they get the ratings or they get the clicks, they've created a dynamic where I think they've convinced us that we're further apart than ever. And I'm not trying to get too political here, but you think anybody, anybody is undecided on, hmm, should I go with Trump or should I go with Biden in November? You think there's one human who's on the fence right now, swayed by attack ads? What are they spending their money on? Attack ads. When a Republican screams in a mean way at a Democrat, here's how I believe our country should tackle this issue. And a Democrat comes back, a liberal comes back and says, you're incorrect, you son of a bitch. Here's how I believe our country should tackle that issue. Nothing gets done. Do these people understand that? Like nothing would ever get done by screaming at one another on message boards or spewing the rhetoric you've seen on some TV show. Nothing would ever get done that way. A little work together, collaboration, compromise, negotiation. I mean, when did we stop teaching these things? Now we have the most polarizing and ugly dynamic that has ever popped up on both sides. And I I wonder, because now you see these attack ads. Trump says Biden is too old and corrupt. Trump says Biden can't handle the economy or coronavirus. And you're like, is there anybody out there who was pro Joe Biden? And they see these ads and they go, huh, I think, you know, something after giving it thought, I think I'm jumping over to team Trump. And then the Biden ads going after Trump. I don't understand. It's a waste of money. We know people know who they're voting for by now. Nobody's like, let me just hear him out. Let me just hear these guys out. 
We're going to have debates. Are we going to have debates? Oh my God. Why? Here's the weirdest part. People are either way too public with their liberalism or conservatism, way too public, shoving it into your face and pushing it down your throat or so private with it because they're so worried about how they're going to be judged. There's a lot of people who don't reveal their true feelings about politics. You have so many people out there who go, I'm not into politics. Everybody's into it. It affects every facet of your life. When we say politics, I'm not talking about the game of politicians and how we feel about these humans. I'm talking about politics. I'm talking about policy, the laws that govern us. Actually, scientific laws are the ones that truly govern us, but the ones that we, man-made, put into place to govern us. Some people don't want to get into it because they know the result. Eh, if I open my mouth, then I'd create some enemies. Even right now, like if this podcast sounded too left or too right, I'd lose some listeners. But honestly, if you bring a nice tone to it, I'm able to listen to you tone. And won't you listen to me tone? Then there's no need to be so private about it. Dave Chappelle had a bit in his special Killing Him Softly that I didn't understand at the time. Dave Chappelle had a bit about how white people are so quiet about who they're going to vote for, but are so willing to talk about other raunchy and vulgar topics. It was a funny bit, but I didn't really understand what it meant. Like asking somebody who you're going to vote for, or are, are you right or left, is intrusive. It's an invasion of someone's privacy. It's weird because you're worried, oh, this will reveal too much about me and then you'll judge me and perhaps not like me. Or maybe it'll put us in a situation where we now have topics that are off limits. Gets contentious. Ooh, is it contentious right now? I can't even scroll. I'm done scrolling. I can't scroll through anything. I'm not just talking about social media. I can't scroll through an article. I can't scroll through my email. I, I can't scroll. They always say, I don't want to put my head in the sand. I want that. Put my head in the fucking sand. I don't want to look the other way. I do. I do. I would like to look the other way. Just for a few weeks. Get my bearings. All right. This is going to become a listening exercise. I'm just going to bounce around this bad boy, go straight pinball mode, topic to topic to topic to topic. Let's see what sticks. All right. I feel like my mind is so jumbled with thoughts. It's like a gumball machine. No, no, no. It's like one of those things at the arcade where the metal claw comes down and just tries to pick up a stuffed animal, tries, and then it slips out of the metal claw at the last minute. Like I'm going to start making a point. I'm going to start making a point, and the metal claw is going to have that little stuffed parrot. You're like, oh, here it comes, here it comes. Oh, oh, and then it slips. So if it slips away, that means I didn't bring it home. But I am going to try to drop some of these mini stuffed animals into the slot so kids could grab them. Now, in my lifetime, you're wondering, how many times have you actually gotten that metal claw to bring home the prize? And the answer is once. But this might rock your world. It was the first time, Pier 39 with my dad. First time I ever saw one of these things. I remember vividly. I think I was six, seven years old and it worked. Since then, it's never worked. And I'm not going to act like I try a lot because how often am I even at an arcade? And is that even something that kids even know about anymore? The metal claw. But now, as you listen to me bounce around, you got to stay with me. Okay? Some things might slip away. You might blink and you're like, whoa, he's on another topic. But let's do this. I almost think I need a beat. Uh, maybe not. But I'm going to rip through these. It's a listening exercise. You lose me, you lose me. Come on back sometime. But episode 100, we're going to now expedite the episode. We're going to squeeze a bunch of episodes into this bad boy. All right, I want you to picture how flustered I could be. This is the most flustered I think I've ever been in my life. Now, my neighborhood has fruit trees. I'm going to start right there. But I also bring fruit on every dog walk. 
So I exit the door with a leash and a nectarine. And in a pocket, I have keys. In another pocket, I have doggy bags to pick up the shit. And I have doggy treats to lure him home at the end. So, keys, treats, baggies, leash in one hand, nectarine in the other. A lady I met one year ago, probably almost 70 years old, said, you can always take an apple. She was so sweet. A neighbor said, you can always take an apple. So every time I pass her house, I take an apple. Every single time. Gravenstein. Look it up. Maybe the best apple out there. It's up there with Granny Smith. So now I have a nectarine. Took an apple from her. I hit the alley. Okay. On my walk, there's a little walkway. It's a little alley that connects two streets. Then I go left. Guess what we got? A plum tree. So now I have baggies, keys, nectarine, apple, treats, poop bags, and I'm taking two plums. Guess what, folks? I got sunglasses and a mask on. So I'm breathing up out of my mask into my own sunglasses and it's so foggy I can't see much. My hands have never been this full and you know my cellular telephone is in one of those hands. iPhone is also a part of this. I'm now juggling. Got the leash, got the dog, got the plum, got the nectarine, got the apple, got the treats, got the bags. Got fogged up sunglasses because I'm a good American wearing that mask. And it's all happening after a poor night of sleep. So I'm groggy. 10 steps later, I just put whatever is in my hand to my mouth. I figure, hey, the odds are pretty good that it's edible and you're damn right it's a dog treat. Put my teeth, sunk them into a dog treat. And at that moment, I dropped everything. Literally dropped everything and said, I got to restart my battery. I actually have to restart my life. I'm eating dog treats on this fruit walk with the oldest dog in America. Fogged up glasses. I can't live that way. Feeling of rage comes over me. And then acceptance. If you're rage, most people get angry, you know, once or twice a week. But if it consumes you and then it dissipates real quickly, that's healthy. That's healthy when it goes away like that, like snap, boom. And then it goes away. Because I guess the foggy sunglasses go back to real clear, nice sunglasses. But you know that feeling when you're at a red light and the red light's too long. And you're like, okay, I got this. I'm fine. I'm fine. But you're impatient and you're like, it seems like this red light might be broken. And then it's probably only 12 seconds more. And you're like, okay, I want to murder somebody. And then you're like, no, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. It's just a red light. Then you start taking it personally. Like, okay, who's messing with me? (laughs) Who's up there in the lights? The whole process could have just been like 50 seconds, maybe a whole minute at a red light, but you know how to gauge your level of patience and mindfulness. If you're at a red light and it's four minutes and you're cool about it, then that's good. Then that's good. But you know, during a pandemic, we're all on edge. We're all on edge. So if that red light causes you to take it personally and wonder if somebody in the light is messing with you, like it's a remote control and somebody off to the sides, like, look, look at the Acura. Let's destroy this guy's brain. Then... You need to restart your battery. You need to just zoom out, take a moment, read a little Carl Sagan, whatever you have to do, 10 minute meditation on your phone, whatever you have to do, yoga, go on a run, whatever you have to do. But when I bit the dog treat, I said, okay, okay, I got to take a step back. And when I took a step back, I looked around and I thought I would see the big picture. Look at the hills, listen to the birds singing. And instead I just looked down at that hound dog and I realized It's just embarrassing now. And I'm wondering how many people have ever had a dog so old that they loved the dog with their heart, their entire heart, but knew deep down that it was just embarrassing to be in public because you had to explain this dog. He now has so many lumps around his body. When you pet him, there's no lumpless area. He now has goop coming out of his eyes at all times of day. 
I have to I have to carry a handkerchief. I've never carried a handkerchief for this dog. My toddler now tells me, Muggsy's eyes, eyes need to be cleaned because she's disgusted. My wife disgusted with this hound dog's eyes. One of the back legs doesn't really work. He's not quite dragging himself, but one of the back legs, it looks like it's a peg, like a pirate with a peg in a cartoon. He's kind of just dragging on it. The ear, you know the ear where the canal was removed? It was supposed to heal. No, that just looks like ground beef in there. And I clean it every day. The debris fills up like you can't believe. Like I said, a dog's so old it becomes embarrassing. And when a neighbor walks by, they look at him like he's some sort of an experiment. Like, oh, what are you, what are you doing with that? I go, oh, he's a dog on a leash. They go, oh, okay, okay. You know, they look confused. There's a lot of explaining to do. If they go to pet him, I go, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, he might scream. Okay, there's a lot of, lot of issues running up and down this boy. He barf coughs in his sleep. Anybody, anybody. I'm constantly convinced that we're getting close to the end. But my wife reminds me, he always rebounds. And I want you to understand this. He's 14 years old. He's ancient. He goes back to George W. Bush. I've had him since I was, what, 23, 24 years old? I'm 38 now. Are you kidding me? So I Googled, how old can a beagle get? And you want to know what I found? There was a beagle named Butch who lived to age 27. Google this. You don't believe me? 27. (gasps) 27-year-old beagle. He died in 2009. Butch, I'm wondering if my Muggsy is a descendant of Butch because he's still going. He shouldn't be going. He drags his peg leg and has goop and lumps and scream coughs in his sleep. Come on. What are we doing anymore? It's a nice home. There's always just like a film of something on the wall or the ground. You're like, is it poop? Is it barf? Is it saliva? Is it blood? Oh, there's a lot of blood. There's a lot of blood. He has a cut on his neck. Sanguine is what the vet says. Sanguine. Oh, that's sanguine. Sanguine? Sanguini with pesto sauce? What are you saying? It's just like when this patch of, I have no clue what's happening. It becomes like a big pus bubble. And when it bursts, it's pink, drippy blood. Are you nauseous right now? Did I do that to you in episode 100? I shouldn't have done that. See, we got to bounce. We got to get off this topic now. Go somewhere else. Where are we going? How about this? When I was a kid, my favorite toy was the magic eight ball. You're saying, what's that? Well, I didn't go to a psychic and I didn't need to. Magic eight ball is you just sit in your room and you ask questions because we humans don't really have answers about anything. Think about how many answers we actually have answers to. Where did we come from? I don't know. Where are we going? Oh, I don't know. What's the meaning of life? Huh, I don't know. Where did language come from? Oh, I don't know. What about these evolutionary traits? Could you explain them? Uh, I don't really know. What's going to happen a month from now? I don't know. And on and on and on. But I could sit in my room as a little kid in the 80s, shaking a magic eight ball toy, asking it questions and questions and questions. I could have friends over. We're doing the same thing. We weren't bored. We didn't need an iPhone. We didn't need a flat screen smart TV. No, you just shake that magic eight ball. And I realized humans are so uncomfortable with uncertainty. That's why this pandemic is so brutal. The uncertainty, it just is weird every day. It's surreal. It's just weird. If someone says, hey, how are you? Just say, I'm weird. And it makes sense. Don't say I'm good. We're not good right now. The human race isn't good. COVID-19, we're not good. We're weird. Things got weird. We're adapting to weirdness. Oh, when will it end? I don't know. Google vaccine? I don't know. So the magic eight ball, it was this little microcosm of what we experience. We have questions and we want answers. And even if it's just this floating little triangle that says maybe or yes or no or come come back later and I'll answer that, it was still nice. 
know, people like Ouija boards. People like going to psychics. There's still some strip malls in America that have psychics. You'll see laundromat, taco shop, watch repair, psychic. I know exactly in San Diego. I can't think of any here in San Rafael. Maybe there are. But I remember living in San Diego, just driving around seeing psychic on an awning. People go in there and they want to know, hey, what's going to happen in my life? You get a refund when all of it doesn't happen or is it real? Are psychics real? And if they are, then are they the happiest people ever? Because they know what's coming. And would I even be happier if I knew what was coming or would I be sadder? I bet I'd be sadder. You give me the option right now. Do you want to know what's coming in your life? I'd probably say no thanks. Wouldn't you? Hey, do you want to know what's going to happen in your life? Uh, No thanks. Then why do you get so antsy and anxious with uncertainty? I don't know. It's the human condition. We just live in this. We just live in this headspace. This conflicted world of, oh, I got to find my equanimity. I'm searching. I'm going to go talk to that psychic. Why? I don't know. I've never been to one, but if I went to one, I would take it seriously. I would. Then I'd leave and go, I'm not sure. But in the moment with a psychic, and I'm just picturing the crystal ball like Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure, but we just have to live in this. We just have to live in this body with this brain knowing nothing. That got weird, didn't it? I got to bounce around, got to bounce around, got to bounce around. This pandemic's going on so long, I already have old school pandemic references. It's been going on so long. When you think about some of the things at the beginning of the pandemic, it sounds ancient. I vividly remember the month of March when my kids laughed. My students laughed when I said, remember to social distance. And because they laughed, I laughed because none of us were social distancing. The idea of telling 30 teenagers, hey, social distance made them all laugh because they're like, we don't actually do that. We're not wired that way. We're teens. We like to hug each other. Fist bump, slap five, make out, walk shoulder to shoulder. So when I said, all right, everybody just make sure to start social distancing, the room erupted in laughter. And I kind of laughed too, not realizing that social distancing would become comfortable. These are old school pandemic references. Do you remember the first time you saw somebody with a mask and you weren't wearing a mask and you thought they were a little extreme? In March, first time maybe you were at the gas station or somewhere and you're like, whoa, that person's taking it to this level and it looks sci-fi and it looked weird. And now anybody without a mask looks weird. You remember that toilet paper crisis? Sounds like I have these old school memories. These aren't old school. It's just a pandemic that's dragging on and on and on. And we've evolved into a weird phase of it where we look back on when we were a little naive, a little uninformed. And think, wow, you remember when there was no toilet paper on the shelves? And some of you listening remember thinking, oh boy, I might just be on the toilet and have to go straight to the shower. Like, we're not getting toilet paper. Or I might have to use the phone book. We've all done that, right? Nope, just me? Okay. But no toilet paper. That was a crisis. People ordering toilet paper online for 40 bucks for a few rolls. You remember this? Now you go to the store and there's toilet paper still. But my God, where were the eggs? Where'd the eggs go? There were also a few things like cleaning supplies. You're like, we'll never have bleach again. People swiped shelves. Now shelves are stocked again and we tend to forget the toilet paper crisis. At least I think most people forgot about it. If you don't have toilet paper, let me know. Let me help you out. I know where to get it. I know a guy. You remember back in the day where none of us knew who Anthony Fauci was? At least I didn't. I didn't know Fauci. Now he feels like a relative. Fauci feels like a guy who he's almost 80, by the way. He's almost 80. He's our leader when it comes to infectious diseases. Fauci. Everyone kind of feels related to Fauci. If he came into your house right now, you'd say, oh yeah, yeah, have a seat. You bring him some tea. Make him a plate. Fauci's here. Make him a plate. It wouldn't feel foreign to anybody if he just knocked on your door right now. And Anthony Fauci, 79, almost 80 years old, said, hey, how are you? He'd say, Anthony, have a seat. 
He just feels like he's a part of our lives now. How about when none of us knew our county public health officers? I know the guy. His name's Matthew Willis. I know the guy. I care about everything he says. I didn't know that guy's name. I remember receiving emails, district emails, where he was giving us updates when I didn't take this seriously in like January and February. And administrators are like, make sure your Google Classroom has assignments on it. And I'm not quite taking it seriously because I didn't know we'd be bounced away from the classroom for a very long time. I didn't know. I didn't know. Not informed. These are old school memories. Old school memories. I remember the first time my buddy, my coworker, my department chair, our leader said, you could always try to Zoom with your students like a week into distance learning. Just telling me, you could always Zoom with your kids. I didn't know Zoom. I didn't know the word. I didn't know the concept. I didn't know the company Zoom. Now, are you kidding? Zoom is life. Zoom is really a portal to the outside world. If you're working from home, you're Zooming. There was a point in recent history where I didn't know. I didn't know what Zoom was. There was Tiger King. Think of all these things. Then I go, oh yeah, I remember that. Hey, you remember when we were younger? Netflix had a show called Tiger and everybody went nuts about it. Yeah. Yeah. Now you know what's happened. We got used to this a little bit. Not too much, but a little bit. My daughter recreates daycare at home and she makes us do impressions of the daycare ladies. And my wife and I do it. This is sad. I'm not trying to be funny right now. My daughter packs a backpack. She has a little cat backpack and she can't go to the park. She can't go to school. She doesn't do a lot of things that she used to do, but she has a good imagination let that be the lesson. Creativity to get you through the rough times. My daughter asked my wife, you be Tina. And she asked me, you be Masuda. These are the angels who work at the daycare. And she remembers them vividly. We like have to jog her memory. Do you remember all your friends? Do you remember you used to go to this place? It's getting to that point. And she's two and a half. So I guess we could say we're lucky that she's not really emotionally or mentally impacted by this. Right? Right? If you have toddlers, you're like, oh, it's good that they're young. But when we recreate daycare, oh shit, how sad is that? You know, there's actually humans who look at a bottled water section at a gas station food mart. There's humans that look at a bottled water section and buy the most expensive one. The recipe is the same in each and every bottle. Dasani, Aquafina, Smart Water, Evian, Evian, Crystal Geyser, same recipe in every bottle. Yet some are like $3.79 and others with the same exact amount of ounces. And the same exact recipe, and I Googled this, it's H, write this down, 2-O. All of them, same recipe. H-2-O. And all of them. Some are like $4.25 and others, same amount of ounces, same exact recipe, H with 2 with O. Two bucks, generic brand. And some people buy the most expensive bottles. I know that because those bottles exist. What is that mindset? I mean, with certain things, like if it's colas, generic cola, and you want a Coke because you're like, yeah, I could taste the difference, fine. But when you know the product is the same across the board, just different packaging, different logo, and you're in this tier of going for the most expensive, what is that? What's wrong with you? I'm curious. Like, what's wrong with you? That one slipped out. That one slipped out of the metal claw. I probably could have taken that a, a step further, but I don't have anything. Like I said, I'm bouncing. It's episode 100, so stay with me. I had a vivid memory the other day of when my sister and I realized we don't have enough channels in the neighborhood. Seems like most people around us, neighbors, have more channels. We thought we need to make a pitch to our parents, a business pitch to get cable for the first time, Viacom. 
You remember the old box where you have to walk to your TV, no remote control, you got to walk to your TV and slide it to change the channel. We wanted that. Because all we had was ABC, CBS, and NBC. I think this might even be for Fox. We just had what they call basic network, and it wasn't that cable. That cable meant everything to us, everything. You go to friends' houses, there was Nickelodeon, there was MTV. You go to friends' houses, there were all these channels that we thought, wait, we'd be more entertained, we'd be smarter, we'd be happier. We had a business pitch. My sister and I put together a business proposal for our parents. We didn't just whine and complain, say, we want cable. We had a pitch. I said, I'm not asking for the Playboy channel. I'm only eight years old. Although, if you go to the Playboy channel, you still got the audio. It was very scrambled, but it was still a channel option. Scrambled was like HBO, Showtime, the movie channel. Even Bravo was scrambled because that's called premium. We weren't asking for premium. We weren't spoiled kids. We just figured we needed new things like ESPN, VH1. When all these channels seem new to us, CNN, a different version of CNN, I should mention, than what they've become. And I remember because of our business proposal, because of this expert pitch, had logic, National Geographic Channel, mom, dad, we'll do our homework, we promise, only an hour a night, and we'll do all of our chores. And if you give us this, we'll be more stimulated and our brains will be filled with new information that we could apply to the classroom. It was just so brilliant what we were saying to our parents at the time. This is a very distant memory and it worked and we got cable. And I look back on those memories and it helps me to become empathetic when I see my daughter watch a screen. She gets so vectored and sucked into the glow of a screen. We give her about half hour of screen time a night and whatever we put on these little videos, she's so into it. I go, Oh, I remember that feeling like seeing something for the first time and knowing this has captured me. Like I remember watching wrestling for the first time ESPN in the daytime. I didn't know what I was watching. I didn't know it was scripted. I just remember a guy choking another guy. And I figured this is criminal activity and i just have it because i have espn but the early days of wrestling oh my god i think it was bad news brown and hercules were going at it hercules he has like a big chain just swinging it over his head and bad news brown was just so angry this is the character they were playing characters i didn't know i didn't know but every memory i have with these old cable stations they stayed with me that's how impressionable we are when we're young stuff stays with you not a lot but the stuff that stays it's weird. There's that crease in your brain where you just go, why, why am I able to access Roy Firestone in his up-close interview with Ozzie Smith so readily and I can't tell you what I had for breakfast? Where's this place in our brain? And when is my daughter going to start having memories? Did we just tell her, hey, you lived through the COVID-19 crisis? Or is some of this going to register? I don't know. Scientists could tell you when you start having memories, but moving on from that. Moving on, Stephen Jackson. I wrote Stephen Jackson's anti-Semitic comments supporting Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson, who tweeted a Hitler quote and some support for Louis Farrakhan. And then Stephen Jackson, a former warrior. Deshaun Jackson's an NFL receiver from Cal. And Stephen Jackson said, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. And the only thing I could think was, oh, this isn't good. This takes the attention away from the movement. Like, even if there is anti-Semitism, I'm not blind to that. Anti-Semitism, of course it exists. But for some of these black athletes, not, not a lot, but a few of them popping up with some anti-Semitic comments where they seem a little uninformed, or maybe they're very informed and just hate Jews. I don't know. But it's just not a good time for it. And you're asking me, is there ever a good time for anti-Semitism? Eh, no. But right now, 
Oh, it's so ugly when instead of talking about the plight, the cause, the advancement for black people in this country that turn on ESPN and you hear these hosts talking about, oh, how dare, how dare Steven Jackson support these comments. And I'm like, oh, no, Steven Jackson was just being put on a pedestal for helping galvanize the Black Lives Matter movement, for supporting peaceful protests. And now this ugh, step in the ugliest of directions. If you're part of a group that is hated, that's marginalized, and then you're accused of hating another group, all of a sudden, it tends to discredit some of the goals. That's all I'm saying. I'm not going to be naive and say, huh, this is out of nowhere that anybody could express hatred for Jews. But I was just thinking, oh, these guys at this time, for these to be the highlights on ESPN. By the way, the last time I went to Sports Center, they were just showing college football highlights from 2008. I don't even know why. I just flipped for a moment. I realized, oh, there's nothing. There's nothing. NBA, good luck. We're not going to have that. Major League Baseball, there's just going to be infection, infection, infection. I know this sounds pessimistic, but aren't I being realistic? The return of sports. Let's rush the return of sports. And all these athletes are going to say, uh, no thanks. I got somewhere to go. You'll see. Hope I'm wrong. But for a lot of these articles to be related, and I think this story has died down already, to some black athletes that are being scrutinized for derogatory comments against Jews, talking about a lot of these Wealthy Jewish owners aren't doing enough. You wonder what their true beliefs are. Yeah, we can't get mad. Yes, people for your true beliefs. How do you really feel, Stephen Jackson? You got this famous podcast. People now listen to you. How do you really feel? And people like it. And people are into him. And then he gives you one of these and you're like, oh, oh, oh. You can't have it all if you want to hear somebody's full spectrum of opinions. How they honestly feel about everything. You really want that? And people like Stephen are willing to give it to you? There's trouble coming. There's trouble. Even as I do this for the 100th time, I wonder how many people I've alienated unintentionally just by giving you some raw honesty and then the topics that I know I should probably avoid because I'm a human in 2020 and there's still some topics that can make people feel too weird or hurt feelings. So those are the, those are the things I guess I want to avoid, but I also want this to be an honest forum. I want it to be that. I want it to be different. I want it to be better. I want it to go somewhere. For the next 100 episodes, it's got to go somewhere. Or do you want more of the same? Some of us like more of the same. We like a cozy little routine where we know what we're getting. But it's going to go somewhere. It has to. I think I'll end with this. I felt good recently to simplify all of this. And when I say all of this, as I wave my hand above my head, to simplify all of this, it feels like there's a lot of nasty motherfuckers right now who have platforms, doesn't it? If you consume the news, the first four, five, six, seven stories you read, you probably think, well, that's not a good guy. Well, that's not a good person. Well, that's not a good statement. Well, that's mean and that's angry. But I heard John Stewart from The Daily Show, the great John Stewart, being interviewed on Joe Rogan's podcast. And they had a brilliant discussion. These are two comics. Now, sometimes I listen to comics, and I've said this before, but I go, these are the modern-day philosophers. These are some of the smartest people, and sure, they have microphones and jokes, but really, when comics get serious about their thoughts on social issues, sometimes you hear pearls of wisdom that are just so beautifully, beautifully crafted that it makes you think. And Jon Stewart and Joe Rogan, they fall into this exact category where they're insightful, they're pretty fearless, but they're informed. And the last thing John Stewart said, although he sounded cynical at times, pessimistic, even fatalistic, he said, but I'm hopeful. And he explained it by saying something simple. He says, there's always more good people than bad people. And I thought, 
Oh, he's right. Oh, he's right. I got caught up into the storm of seeing one tweet get magnified by a bad person or a news story surrounding somebody that's just so annoying, some troll, or maybe a politician who's just out to hurt feelings or deny science or just something that creates rage within me. And I feel that way. Like it almost blinds me to the society that surrounds me when really humanity, there's endless good stories, endless good stories. And I needed John Stewart to say that it's the simplest thing I've ever heard. Oh, there's always more good people than bad people. He's right. As a teacher, I see that every single day. I miss the classroom because that's what you see. You see all these good kids. Are there a few on campus disturbing the people? Sure, but it doesn't create a bad campus. It doesn't. Think about your neighborhood. More good neighbors than shitty ones. We all have a few shitty ones. Like this one guy who yelled at me the other day because he didn't think I picked up my dog shit. I did. And if I don't, I come back with a bag and he screamed, I guess I'll do it. And I was like, oh my God, should we fight in the streets? And of course, no, I'm a peaceful man, a pacifist, not a fighter. But that thought just walked through my head real quick. And he had a shovel. He goes, I guess I'll do it. And I was like, I'm going to come back. My dog craps a lot. So I have a lot of bags to fill up. Plus, I just tasted a treat. So that's not a good neighbor, but everybody else is. John Stewart, there's always more good people than bad people. And because that's the truth, and I'll live by that, then I could be hopeful as well. So let's all be hopeful. Taking a step forward with that hope. Let's sleep well tonight. Let's all go outside and look at the stars and realize, all right, there are two ways of looking at our existence. And I'm just going to steal this right from Rabbi Simcha Bunim of Peshicha. All right, of course, I had to Google this years ago. And of course, my old friend Connor Callahan told me about this quote from Rabbi Simcha Bunim. But it doesn't matter that it's coming from a rabbi. This could come from anybody. And just remember this. So tonight, go outside, get some fresh air. If you have to just step away from that TV, from that screen on the laptop, from the phone, and just look up at a star and keep this in mind. Quote, I am a speck of dust and the world was created for me. Think about that. Two pieces of paper, two thoughts. One of them could say, I am a speck of dust. It's true. It's totally true in this vast, endless universe. What are we? So easy to feel insignificant in the world of nature. It's actually plausible. To feel like a real speck of dust. Yet, the other thing, the world was created for me. It all does feel like it revolves around us, doesn't it? Our thoughts are the most important because they're coming out of our consciousness. Those two things are happening simultaneously. And if you could always attain that mindset, my God, then that's the balance you might need. All right, moving forward. We're moving forward. I'm getting older. I'm getting balder. I'm getting fatter. Sometimes trying to get in shape, eat well and all the good things. And I hope you're doing well. And I don't know what the fuck I've been talking about, but my God, I appreciate you listening. I really do. If you're on board with this, go ahead, leave a rating on iTunes. Enjoy the sick beat by Micah David Julius from Queens, actually from San Rafael, from Lucas Valley, represent Mount Muir Court, but now in Queens, making beats, perfecting beats. And check out that logo from the good man, Brandon Lye who has also designed some of those video games you play at night to distract yourself from the brutal reality of what we're experiencing right now. Hey, don't go there. Don't go there. Go up again. Go up again. Go up again. Go up, up, and away again. Episode 100. It's up, up. It's gone. It has vanished. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon.
how does that guy say Cassidy? Cassidy. How does he say Cassidy? Cassidy. That guy who sings the song. Owie on my what? nose. Oh no. You have an owie on your nose? Yeah. Here, let's hear him again. Says it like Cassidy. Cassidy. He goes Cassidy. He goes on the beach. 